Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. One of our sponsors this week is the Can I Kiss You program. That's correct. That's a live training presentation that we do in schools, from middle schools, high schools, universities, military installations, and conferences around the world. To learn more, go to datesafeproject.org or calls at 800-329-9390. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be here with our cast from the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This week's cast includes Barry Moniak, Carly Johnson, and Dr. Jen. You can learn all about and check out our brilliant cast at EverydayMindfulnessShow.com. Once again, that's EverydayMindfulnessShow.com. We're going to get right into it because this week we're talking about sex and mindfulness. And our first question is, with that discussion, with that theme of sex and mindfulness, some people will immediately start thinking, ooh, that's provocative. Uh, maybe not that weird way I just said it, but they'll be thinking something like that. How how does Thanks that react? Yes, they, yes. How does that reaction, that provocative reaction, how does that relate to the mindfulness surrounding sex? So, Jen, we'll start with you. How does that relate to that? Yeah, well, I think you know an aspect of mindfulness is is being in a, a state of continual gentle curiosity. So I think even, you know, asking yourself then, well, why is that my response? First of all, what does provocative even mean like or feel like to me? And why is that my response around sex? You know, a sociologist by education. So, so much of what we learn about sex is what we learn culturally um, in our society and from our family and our religion. And so to be in a state of gentle curiosity of like, well, where did I learn that? And what did I learn? And what does that mean to me? And what does that even feel like to me specifically? And so in that exploration of what does that mean to you? You're, you're specifically saying that provocative concept. Uh, yeah. What do you think is what people typically think it means? I don't know. It's naughty. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> you know, it may be dirty, but dirty in a good way. Um, well, let's pause. Let's pause there because I think that's an important discussion. Dirty in a good way in your mindset because you come from this field of discussing this. But for some people, it's dirty in a in a dirty aspect and their mind is in wrongful dirt. For sure. The neg- you know, dirt's negative. We don't want dirt in our life. And so they think of dirty in that way. 
Right. And so I think, you know, and even how you say provocative, like I was going off of your tone of voice, which is kind of like, Ooh, this is titillating. This is exciting yes. versus, well, that's provocative, you know, which would be very judgmental and shameful, which is what we have, unfortunately, a ton of around sexuality, a lot of heaviness and shame and guilt and stigma. And I mean, in that, you know, in that perspective on looking at the word provocative, that's a that's a large part of what I do in my work is helping folks look at, you know, where did they pick up shame and guilt around sexuality and their own sexual expression? How is that getting in the way of them being able to, to like themselves and connect with others deeply in a way they want to? And literally what, you know, where does that shame show up in their bodies? Where, how do they embody it? Where do they feel it? And then where can they learn over time to sit with the, discomfort of that shame and guilt and with mindfulness skills and staying present and, and not judging themselves and having compassion and then have the courage to move through it and now be able to make other choices of connecting deeply with themselves and connecting more deeply with others. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of directions to go with that word provocative. <laughs> and, and Barry and, and Carly, do you think that that idea of what Jen is speaking of there is is focused on or needs the concept of to love yourself. To love yourself is to love your body, your your the sexual urges, needs, wants, feelings, expressions you have and or don't have because not everybody does. But to to be able to love yourself that way, I, I think that gets into yes, I agree, and it gets into an extremely abstract concept we could line up hundreds of people and ask them, what does it mean to love yourself? And we're probably going to get hundreds of different answers. But in terms of the mindfulness, it seems like sex and anything having to do with sex, sexuality, sexual orientation, we've reduced it down to physicality. And yet, interesting, when they've done extensive research on sex in the human experience, they say the brain is the most erogenous organ of the body. Well, the brain's what's connected to the mind. So when I think of mindfulness and sex, how present are we, whether it's with ourselves or someone else that we're having the experience with, what kind of an attention, awareness, sensitivity? Uh, I liked your term, Jen, of, of gentle curiosity, but I would say that could go to a fierce curiosity in terms of sex, but are you still paying attention? Are you aware of what's going on with you and the other person? I think people who have more mindful sex, it's way more enjoyable, but I don't know that the average person is aware of what that is. Well, and I think I know I've struggled personally engaging in sexual activity of where I was thinking of, well, what is my partner thinking of me, of my body, of what I'm doing? And that right there is not being mindful of the moment. That is, you know, being judgmental of yourself. And I think that is a problem that a lot of people deal with. Well, I think, Carly, bring up something really great there, which is what you shared is what most people have at different moments. And so I don't know that you weren't mindful. It's that you were mindful of what you were feeling at that moment. The question is, did you let it control or did you right. say, I'm going to let that go? And so now my mindfulness releases that thought. 
Because I don't think to have those natural thoughts is not being mindful. I think it's how we recognize them. Are we mindful of them? Are we able to then move forward with them? Because almost anybody I've ever known, if you have these honest conversations versus the facade of what the media puts out there is we are sitting there thinking, what is, what, how do I look? Does my partner think I'm sexy right now? What do they think of? And you'll think of specific body parts from my stomach to my rear end to my genitalia to mm-hmm. all these different areas. You know, the irony is very few people, th- very few when you talk about sex say, I wonder what my partner thinks of my smile, <laughs> which is yeah. what they're actually seeing more of. Like yep. once you start the intimacy, you see more face. Now, depending on the sexual actor, and that's not necessarily true <laughs> at all. But in the in the making out part, in the kissing part, that beginning, that's what you're seeing more of. Now, as the sexual acts obviously evolve or whatever you choose to engage in, that changes. But even in a sexual act, how they're not looking at the genitalia; they're engaged in it. So you can't. You're not like studying it while you're engaging with it. You're engaged in an act. So it's such a weird thing that we do there. And if we bring the the mindfulness aspect into it, I don't think there's anything bad, wrong, or stupid, Carly, with with wondering what my partner or mate might be thinking or experiencing. Most people I found just leave it there. I wonder, and then I go into some kind of self-analysis or self-judgment, the mindfulness aspect would be to qualify those thoughts or feelings. Hmm, I wonder why I thought that. Do I have something that needs to be addressed? And to be able to ask my partner, hey, I have this thought or feeling. What is that like for you? If if the, uh, the partnership isn't able to handle that level of intimacy, well, that's telling in and of itself. But if I find out what the other person really thinks, oh, I just used mindfulness to get to a better place. Yeah. And I want to build on this. I mean, because I, and I think those type of conversations are fantastic. I mean, you can develop relationships and intimate relationships, able to have those conversations in the moment. You know, I, you know, I think of mindfulness is where we're choosing to put our focus. So, you know, and like everybody said, the awareness that those thoughts come up, like, oh, what do my breasts look like this? Oh, I don't like how my thighs look. Oh, am I performing well enough? Oh, is my partner happy with what I'm doing? You know, or, oh, I've got that, that, you know, I'm making the grocery list in my head because I've got a million other things I could be doing. All of these other things that distract us from body image to just other life priorities to performance concerns, you know, the recognition that those thoughts come up is, as everybody said, is, you know, part of mindfulness. One thing that I like to encourage folks to do is then just recognize, okay, so where are you focusing your attention? So you notice that thought pops up, notice it comes up, acknowledge it, even tell people, you know, to thank that thought sometimes. Oh, thank you. You know, I understand that you're just trying to protect me or whatever. And Mm -hmm. then, but, you know, I'm going to choose to focus my attention back on this moment and specifically on you know, anchoring ourselves to the five, our five senses in the moment. So like, what does, what do the sheets feel like? What does my partner feel like and smell like? What's their skin feel like, you know, um, you know, on my lips, what am I, what am I seeing otherwise? And, and just using our five senses, choosing, you know, consciously to bring our focus and our attention back in the moment that way. And then our distracting thoughts pop up. You know, we acknowledge those thoughts. You're like, oh, yeah, no, that's my body image again. And I'm 
I acknowledge you and I thank you and I choose to bring myself back to this moment again. And then I think like Barry was saying, then having like afterwards, having that conversation with the partner. So like, hey, this is what's going on in my head. <laughs> what's going on in your head? Let's, can we, you know, talk about this? Cause my insecurities are totally, you know, popping up and this is what's going on. And I just, you know, want to be vulnerable and authentic with you and uh, find out what's going on from your side. Well, and, and maybe being able to talk to your partner before sex that can we be playful with our mindfulness so mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah so right so let's that. say that in my mind i'm thinking with my partner common one for men is their penis size or the girth whatever it is in their mind that is a common one that comes up right and so if you're being playful and you identify as a male and you say to your partner hey i might tell you uh if, if that pops into my head i might say something like tell me what you think about my dick you know that kind of thing like would, mm-hmm. would you would That's you good, yeah. would you have fun with that and be like i love your dick like that kind of thing would that be or would that be a total turnoff for you like which would it be and if they're like if that would help you that i'll do that for you now you're making it playful and you're making it exciting right or for somebody to say well you know mike you're a guy what if it was a woman what what she's like well you know i wonder what my vulva is like or what is you know what is my genitalia like and hey if if you just said to me hey do you do you love my vulva and and say well what words do you like you know because if i'm going to say to you you know i love how wet i love the taste some people are like oh god you just made it worse okay so that's gonna be the worst thing like you know some people hate the word moist i don't get that i don't <laughs> but I know some people hate the word moist. So, you know, if you're like, oh, it's so moist, and they're like, oh, no, you killed it, you know. So, uh, but to be able to have that playful conversation is so mindful and yet fun. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Now, notice how much of our dialogue is about physicality, the five senses, and, yep. and the communication. Mindfulness has to do with the mind, which is not associated to the body. It connects to the brain, but it can connect to other aspects of us as well. And so where in those interactions can we be more sensitive to, aware of the energy, the energetic dynamics? What do I experience energetically when we kiss, when we touch, when we have sex? Now we're getting more into what I would think is the mindful aspect of sex is bringing that that heightened attention awareness to the act. Well, I would actually I would counter that a little bit in that I think of mindfulness as just presence with anything that shows up in the moment. So True. mindfulness being awareness in the moment with our thoughts, our beliefs, our interpretations, the meanings, any emotions we have. And our bodily sensations. So mindfulness is very anchored in the moment in the physical body that we're in and all of the manifestations of how that shows up. Um, and, it, you know, not judging what shows up and accepting what shows up. And I, I think if we're, you know, focusing on, you know, the energy of the moment, well, I think for some folks, they would have to have, you know, that may be an advanced thing to focus on if they haven't sort of, I don't know, sat with the mindfulness of all of the the regular crap of what it is to be a human, (laughs) you know, in all of our beauty and our messiness of everything that's showing up in every moment of every bodily sensation and and thought and things. and, And so much of that shows up in the sexual component. And so I think of mindfulness is actually much more, um, uh, mundane 
of the acceptance of what is in the moment. And when it comes to sexual topics and body image and cultural learnings and gender roles and all of these things, it's so laden with so much that gets in the way of just being present with being able to be present with the, you know, the beautiful energy of connection in the moment. And so I think of, yeah, mindfulness of being present with, with all of that and accepting it and then choosing to move forward. Well, it, it depends an awful lot on how a person is wired. There's this assumption that everybody is more physically oriented than energetically. I'm not wired that way. So I experience the energetic side much more profoundly than the physical mm-hmm. side. I experience both, but the energetic one is much stronger. And, and so I have found there's a whole lot of people that experience that, but they either didn't feel comfortable enough to, to talk to people about it, or they didn't have a language to talk about it with. So they just thought maybe they were odd or weird. So that's where I I look at it and go, okay, the mind is associated to the energetic body. The brain is associated to the physical body. There is a connection. And the more those two talk, the better off we are. But again, it goes back to how are you wired? And so if I'm going to interact with you on any level, but especially sexually, I need to know your wiring so that I know who I'm interacting with. Well, and a lot of to go off. Oh, go ahead, Carly. Go ahead, Carly. (laughs) Well, and to go off your point, Barry, as somebody who is wired differently, someone maybe who has experienced sexual violence, who has PTSD or experienced triggers and flashbacks. And so that, you know, being mindful when you're engaging in the sexual acts and if your partner is aware of, of those things that you're experiencing, I think that adds a whole other level, you know, to sexual activity. Well, and that, I think that goes to the be- the beginning of intimacy. And I don't like to say pre-intimacy because I think when people say pre, it sounds like this is a checklist versus the beginning, which is the beginning is the mind. It absolutely is the mind. If you're walking into the bedroom or whatever room you're choosing to be intimate in and you're thinking of everything except the sex and let's just make this quick so we can have the sex, your mind is in a very different place. And, and this phrase I just used when I use it on a stage, audiences that are married are laughing their heads off because they all know exactly what I'm referring to. <laughs> and it's totally consensual. They're both like, yes, let's have this quick sex so we can get this done. Uh, and, and what they really mean is so we can have it fun really fast, right? That, that they want to have the fun. They want right. it to be awesome, but they want it super fast, all right? Let's just get this or done. I, I just want my needs met. Right. So and what's, what's just- interesting is that what's interesting is age plays a big role in it uh maturity plays a big role in it how the body changes over the years plays a role in it gender roles can play a big role sexual orientation um roles can play a a definite impact on all these elements uh and how they appear to themselves right so you talk to a 20 year old and going back to what you were saying barry they can very much often talk their, their talking is from the body is mm-hmm. from the body. You talk to a 45-year-old, it's very much from the mind. It's where their head is walking into the game, all right? And so what's interesting, though, talk to a 45-year-old who's just started a workout regimen and feels amazing about their body, they're back to body. They're back to talking about how their body's in a different sensation or they they you know, they know get there quicker, whatever it is. Uh, it's totally ranging in what's going on in one's life. So what I always say is, you know, you think of when people think of mindfulness and sex, they think of two people 
naked in a cross-legged position, their hands touching in front of each other, sitting there in a meditative state. Yes. And we're going to go to a place. But here's the irony of that. And and I, in the past, I think would have mocked it when I was younger and I didn't understand this. But I would say today that a minute of that could beautifully change the sexual experience. Just a one minute of that. One minute of that that says we are going to let go of everything and just be nude, naked of ourselves. And the reason I bring up naked is intentional. And that is that for a lot of people in long-term relationships, taking off the clothes is just, let's just get, it's a distraction almost. Like it's just annoyance where when they're first in a relationship, they want to rip them off. They love the fun of it. They, there's a comedian who talked about this. who can tell when you're in a long-term and a short-term short-term, you want to rip it off. You want to take all the time and enjoy that marriage is like, just get it. Come on, get in here, get naked. Come on now. You know, that type of thing. Uh, is it Tuesday? Okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So to be intentional and say, we're going to be totally naked and nude because when we're nude of clothing, we're, we're also allowing the body to be nude, but the mind allows it to be nude also and to just take a minute with each other nude in front of each other before we start kissing before we start let's just let's just sense each other i think it can be so beautiful and powerful by the way if my partner's listening to this right now they're going yeah where's this coming from like like that i don't want people thinking that this is the way it works all the time or that this uh but it's the idea that as we talk about it these you know you start to think about it more well, there's something I like to call and talking about being naked called um, happy naked fun time, which is, you know, specifically for couples that have been together for a long time where, you know, where you don't just want to rip your clothes off or where sex maybe has become the elephant in the room. And like, what is it? Yeah, just to get back to being naked with each other without, you know, expectations and just to create this safe space and without goals, just to get your bodies connecting to each other and enjoying each other and bringing that playful energy to it Uh, and just creating that space for that without any other intention or goals, but to just connect and be close to each other. So let's go there. Let's go with the person who's listening going, I just couldn't do that, or my partner won't do it. I, I can't see my partner engaging in that. You have two aspects. You have the person who goes, I would feel goofy. And then you have the person who says, um, I, I don't think my partner will try this or I've attempted and they won't try this. Those are two very different discussions. This was something that I had thought about in, in knowing we were going to be having this conversation. A very elementary aspect of that is one person is aroused, they're desirous, and the other person says, I'm not in the mood. And so having done couples counseling for years, I would look at it and wonder, okay, you're totally in love with this person, you're invested, you're willing to spend the rest of your life. I mean, on that level, it couldn't get more committed, but you can't pay attention or, or that thing that you had talked about, Jen, that, that curiosity, why are you aroused? Why is this happening for you? Because we can make ourselves aroused ever so easily so instead of causing a roadblock, why can't we be more mindful and go, hey, if you were sick, I would take care of you. Or if you were hungry, I would feed you. Oh, but you're horny. No, I, I can't go there. Really? All right. So that's a fine line because there's people listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's people listening right now going, whoa, whoa, Barry, you're, you're not insinuating they owe a sexual act. 
Um, it, no, it's not that they owe the act, but what about tuning in, using the mindfulness to go, well, talk to me. Where are you at? What, tell me about your day. What's been leading up to this? Help me get to where you are, and then maybe we can do something. Yes, and that's a very different discussion. That's correct, which is, is is that my partner no longer feeling good about their body, their sex, the sex, the act of sex, or our sexual relationship? Instead of saying, and, and you're not, I'm not saying you said this, Barry, but for many people, they'll, they'll think it. How do I get my partner to have sex with me? Instead of that mindset, how do I help my partner be free of the burdens and the distractions that are happening in their life that are, that are making it difficult for them to, to be themselves and to be present for me? So, you know, I, there are audiences that will say, well, what, am I supposed to do the dishes? I never do the dishes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe doing the dishes or doing the laundry or helping around the house in whatever capacity. Maybe it's building something in the house, whatever it is, that that could take a burden off of your partner. Whatever burdens they are feeling could be huge, could be huge in giving them freedom. There may, they just may be in a place that they need to explore. And you're going to have to be able to say, I need to be patient for their exploration process. You know, if you're a survivor of sexual violence, it was Carly who brought up sexual violence there may be things that you are going to need to take time and explore for you to get to that place. And the partner needs to also respect that, that this could take time in this exploration. And I don't know the timeline. And for a lot of people, I found that the desire for intimacy, just to have that, that sense of closer connection was often interpreted as sexual desire because that's where they thought they would get that connection. Once the communication and the interaction and all that that uh, sensitive curiosity stuff came into play, that's what really wanted to happen. And they may or may not have ever even had sex, but they both felt very fulfilled. Well, I'll give you an example. I, I know of situations and individuals who will share that, let's say they chose to abstain. Abstain from traditional, what you call sexual intercourse. They, they chose to abstain. And instead, they did things like they... They grind it, okay? They grind it instead. And they will share that that grinding experience with that partner, and it grinded to the point of literally people having sexual satisfaction, the partners, was more intense than many sexual experiences they've had. Yes. Because of how in tune they were with that versus just going through an act. Allowing yourself to be in tune and fully present there. But it does go back to help. how do you help a partner have that exploration? And I think sometimes the mistake is thinking, how do I help my partner become more horny or more in the mood versus how do I help my partner in life? And that will show itself everywhere. Yes. In, in a supportive role, not in a fix you role. Because you get into that role, and, and I've done that in my past where I want to help you, and what I'm really doing is maybe trying to fix you. And if most of us are honest, we've done that in some, some capacity. That's not healthy. That's not positive. That's not supportive. That's fixing you helps me. I mean, that's usually what fixing ends up being in some form or capacity. Well, isn't it interesting, you know, we're, we're a couple and we know that, you know, in a few hours we're going to have dinner. So, hey, what do you want to have for dinner? Are you thinking this or this? And we're, we're able to have that conversation to have that same kind of conversation. Hey, what are you feeling in terms of our intimacy? What are you up for? What are you interested in? Where are we at? What would, what would create that meal that we would both enjoy? Oh, and by the way, what I'm about to eat might impact that. So, 
And, and that's a difference in age, right? At 18, you don't care what you're eating. I mean, honestly, you are not thinking about what you're eating, right? But literally, you hit 30s, 40s, you start to go, man, I eat that steak and things might not operate as well a little bit later. But, you know, having that kind of honesty. Carly, Jen, what do you think are keys to being a supporter of your partner if your partner's struggling with this while you're thriving and wanting to explore the mindfulness of sex? I mean, sex is, is, has so many components. The experience of sexuality, like again, you know, the learnings around it, the mental aspects, the physical aspects, the energetic aspects, you know, spiritual aspects. There's, you know, and I, it's very holistic. And to realize so often we think that our experience is how everyone else experiences it. Or we think our experience is how our partner should experience it. Mm. So, I mean, coming in with compassion, an open mind, I think an awareness that we don't know what we don't know about our partner's sexual experiences and what it is to be present in their body as a sexual being um, and what and their history behind that and how that's wired them and all of that. So to come in again, I mean, I'll, I'll say that gentle curiosity, that terminology I used in the beginning, gentle curiosity about what is it like for our partner and how is that different for us? Um, and that's so different than what you said, Mike. Like we're not coming with with the agenda of trying to fix them. We're coming in with the, you know, the intention of genuinely trying to stand in their shoes as much as we can with compassion and understanding and being present and um, I mean, and that's, you know, all of that is the epitome of mindfulness, you know, genuinely honoring the person that's in front of them and all of the the beautiful complexity that their sexual experience it is and how it's the same and different from our own. So I'd say coming in with that, that open mindedness to every sexual experience. I think, I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's the mistake we make, right? Because we go in and we do have that exploration with them when we learn all that and we think, oh, got it now. And what happens is 10 years in, five years in, 20 years in, you get into routine and you stop the exploration and you forget that tonight is not the same as Tuesday. So if tonight's Thursday, your partner might be in a different, completely mindset physicality, everything different than Tuesday. And just so if Tuesday was what you would call off the wall, amazing sex, doesn't mean Thursday is going to be, and that's okay, but they might still want to have sex and it might not be off the wall, amazing, incredible, but they still want to have it with you and have something fun and exciting. And that's okay. You know, I think a big part of this is once you've had amazing, it has to always be amazing. And I always tell people the goal is to pursue mutually amazing and sensual intimacy. It doesn't mean it's going to be the result and that's okay. It's okay. Now, consent always needs to be the result. Mutual always needs to be the result. But amazing might not always be, but it's a great goal. Carly, you brought up earlier about, you know, everybody's coming from a different place with sexual violence. How do you think it is important for those people to understand that if my, I've, if let's say you have not experienced sexual violence, but your partner has, how do you be present for them? Because the last thing you want to do is do any language or conversation that in any way tries to guilt or make them feel coerced. I mean, that's so dangerous. It can be triggering. So how do you suggest that somebody have this conversation in a way that's open, loving, and supportive? Exactly what you said. Instead of saying example of maybe, well, why don't you do this for me? Instead of making it about myself. So if I'm the partner and my partner has experienced sexual violence and I'm encouraging them, instead of encouraging, like we've talked about for the past 30 minutes, is that it's 
such a wonderful conversation to have when you allow your partner to be open and free about their experiences, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, a, a sentence that I teach audiences is the following, to look your partner in the eye and do not say, do you want to do this and name an act or will you do this and name an act? Because that puts pressure on an expectation that you want that now. Instead, look them in the eye and ask, what would you love for us to do in bed tonight? What would you love for me to do for you tonight? It it allows them to lead the whole conversation instead of you leading them. Uh, And and now you need this back and forth, right? If it's only one-sided, that's not healthy either. And that's why what you love for us can be fun because that's the two of you and in there. And I want to – this show just flew by. Which is awesome, right? That is that is fantastic, uh, and that's the way it should be when we're having great conversation and great intimacy is that way, right? Time you don't even feel time; you're just in there, you're in present, which is which yeah. is so awesome. So I want to thank all three of you for joining me today. For everyone listening, you know you've been listening to Barry Moniak, Carly Johnson, and Dr. Jen. You can learn all about our brilliant cast at EverydayMindfulnessShow.com. And until next time, may you enjoy everyday mindfulness in your life. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.